0: Peace to you. Thank you for joining me for The Naked Truth. We are going to pick up where we left off in the book of 1 Kings 2, chapter 15. Um, if you want to read along with me, let's begin on verse 1. It, the last chapter was kind of surprisingly spicy. Didn't even see it coming with the whole butt sex and Working girls in the worshiping ceremonies, I didn't see that. I came from out of left field. Um, but so there's no telling what they're going to be talking about happening at the holy place tonight. Let's see. So verse 15. Let's begin with verse 1. In the 18th year of King Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, Abadam became king over Judah. So uh, as always, please forgive me if I mispronounce any of these words or names. Um, We're talking about the people in power now and the um, descendants of theirs. It says king of Judah, so let's you know when you see that. It's a descendant of King David, David and Goliath, David, and King Solomon, um, who are both deceased now. So this is who is in power. Verse 2, he reigned three years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Maka, the granddaughter of Abishalom. So um, that's the sort of lineage back um, to David and Solomon and um, sh- showing how he's connected. Verse 3, and he walked in all the sins of his father which he had done before him. His heart was not loyal to the Lord his God as was the heart of his father David. So the It seems there it's saying that this descendant of Solomon's and and David's in this case was not being as faithful as David was. And instead making the mistake that his father, um, closer descendant Solomon, made it seems in idolatry and worshiping in other religions and worshiping other religions and taking part in them. Verse four. Nevertheless, for David's sake, the Lord his God gave him a lamp, and Jerusalem by setting up his son after, him and establishing Jerusalem. So, the narrator here it seems is saying, um, that they believe that, uh, for the sake of the promise and prophecy made to David, in previous chapters of what we read, um. That's the only reason or the main reason. That's the lasting reason why the kingdom even lasted at all instead of being overthrown for the sake of the prophecy made to David and the relationship that uh, David had with God in plain English. Uh, verse five. And again, as always, that's only because that's who David is worshiping as his Lord and God. Um, not necessarily that I personally believe that it's God Almighty involved in these different events. Um, at least, you know, not in the same way it's thought of by religion. But if you read away before, you know what I mean. Let's pick it up with verse 5. Because David did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and had not turned aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life, except in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. So that's a pretty big exception that's going with the narrator and I say that because like, who knows who inscribed the book of 1 Kings. I don't know historically who's actually uh, the last word and what made it into what we call the Bible. So I'm just going to say the narrator it seems so is letting us know that um, they believe that everything David did was pretty much righteous except for That whole thing about Uriah the Hittite, that's the person he ordered a hit on, made him be put in the front lines of battle so that he could be killed because he'd already taken the man's wife uh, as his own in bed. And then after he had him killed in battle, just like he planned, he took the man's wife as his own and began a family with her. So when it says except in that matter, it's a pretty big exception. Um, but it's saying also that, that how righteous David was in the eyes of the Lord is the point of what the narrator seems to be saying. Um, verse 6 and there was war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam all the days of his life, so the kingdoms were not at peace between each other, even though they're all um, tribes of the same um, Israelite family. Verse 7 Now the rest of the acts of Abijam. And all that he did, and are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? And there was war between Abijam and Jeroboam. So um, the 12 tribes are not united as one. Verse 8, so Abijam rested with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. And Aja, his son, reigned in his place. So um, it's walking through the different... um, kingdoms that descended from David and I'm guessing also as they'll continue to descend from the other two other ten tribes how their kings go but I don't know we'll see I know one of the books of the bibles does that chronicles is the one we're in um right now is it no second I'm sorry kings is the one we're in now chronicles is the other one Um, Verse 9, in the 20th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, Asher became king of Judah. So Asher's next in line. And um, it's comparing it, it seems, with the um, rise and fall of the different kings of um, Israel and Judah at the same time. Verse 10, and he reigned 41 years in Jerusalem. His grandmother's name mock of the daughter of Bishalom. Sorry, I think we did read that. Verse 11. Aja did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, as did his father David. So Aja, in the eyes of the narrator, was a good king. Verse 12. And he banished the perverted persons from the land and removed all the idols that his fathers had made. Interesting. is see what it means by perverted persons. Oh, that's those Kedeshem just like we were reading in the previous chapter. Uh, Kadeshim is plural. Um, the notation it reads, um, it, Kedushim, that is those practicing sodomy and prostitution in religious rituals. So again, that's mentioned as a part of the religious ceremonies in a mainstream sort of way. That's so interesting, um, because it, it doesn't necessarily mean gay Um just because it's a sodomy, sodomy is something straight people also do. Um, and it isn't always, and most of the time it's not involuntary. Um, as, and I only mention that because that shows you how the lie can be so much more popular than the truth. We read what the Sodom and Gomorrah story was and um, the anal rape was not the worst part of what happened in that story Because it turned out that's not what even happened in the story. Instead, there was um, incest and um, date rape, if you want to look at it from the way it reads, uh, is what happened in that same narrative, in that same story of those same people. And yet, one is what is popular in religion, even though that's not what it actually says. And the truth of what it actually says happened Sort of just gets glazed over as an afterthought. It's really, really kind of crazy how um that can happen with words like Sodom, sodomy, and here it's being translated in English to perverted persons. But I'm using like as always the well, as always on the on my phone these blueletterbible.org website, and God bless them. They give us these tools that to let you let us see what those names, what these words actually meant in uh, scripture because it gets changed through time. And uh, if it didn't have that little footnote, who would know what it actually means when it says perverted persons? When it says perverted persons in English, what it actually said originally in the scripture was sodomites. Um, And the um, translation of that in the Hebrew is Kedisha, and it's the plural for uh, Kedishim. Uh, so, um, it's just interesting how all of that gets changed depending on what the language is and then what the understanding of it is. And then that same understanding gets translated into uh, in modern times the anti-LGBT movement. It's, it's a way of projecting a whole different idea of what the Bible actually says, which carries a, a, a message, propagandic message with it into indoctrinating people against holding what it actually says as the truth, the same sort of way homosexuality gets gets com- conflated with uh, sodomy and sodomites and Sodom and Gomorrah, and all that, and an anti gay message about the Bible in general, it also gets overlooked in what Jesus says right there in the Bible in red letters that when he comes again, in plain English, paraphrasing, that there'll be two men in one bed. The same thing that is demonized basically in the Old Testament about a man, males, lying with other males no matter how you want to look at it, that's what it's talking about. It doesn't use the word homosexuality. It's what it's describing. That same event in the Old Testament, that says, um, is basic, basically an abomination and uh, for the males to take part in. Uh, Jesus is letting us know that that's let in Luke 17 34, that that's what's going to be happening at the end times. There'll be two men in one bed one will be taken and the other will be left. Meaning no matter how you want to believe that the one taken is either taken by the antichrist or down to damnation, condemnation, failure, and the other left is the one who's left behind, who finds salvation in standing with faith. Or if you want to believe it's the other way around, whichever way you want to believe it, one of the people is saved and the other person is not even though they're both doing the same activity, men in bed together, doing God only knows what, letting us know that even though the old the scriptures in the old testament that people thump do say one thing about the same situation that it's an abomination. Jesus uh, for us Christians, since that's who it should matter to, tells us something different in Luke seventeen thirty-four, that it's not the abomination that if people think of it as um, and damnation attached to it, even though it gets attached to sodomy, which if we're looking at it now in this verse, back to where we're at in um, First Kings now, verse 11 of chapter 15, that lets us know it's something that people were doing as part of uh, their worship and ritual. Um, the whole sodomy and um, including that in their religious worship, how I don't understand how that would play into it, but it is what it says that they were doing. They were having sex in the um, as part of their uh, religious ritual to God, um, right there in public. Yeah, but it seems it with this uh, new administration, it's casting all of that out. It's throwing all of it out of the temple, I suppose, where it's happening, it says from the land and remove the idols that his fathers had made. So not only did they have those actions happening at the place of worship, they also had set up idols for pe- people to worship along with it. Uh, that actually is what's against the what's in the scripture that you shouldn't be doing. That whole part about the sex in a temple is not so the most abominable part in what's happening, as crazy as it sounds, is the fact that they made those idols there um, in the place of worship. Excuse me. Verse 13. Also, he removed Maka, his granddaughter, grandmother, from being queen mother because she had made <laughs> Because she'd made an obscene image of Asherah, and Aja cut down her obscene image and burned it by the Brook Kidron. So apparently, again, sex is involved in their worship um, enough so enough so that they're doing live sex shows with um some in some cases prostitutes, even mentioning that it's sodomy. If you want to think of that as anal sex. It is considered anal sex, but it's also other forms of sex, including oral sex is considered sodomy by some religions. So however you want to think of it, that's what they're using as parts of their worship. And another one, it seems, a granny um, named Maka has um, set up, uh, as crazy as it reads, an obscene image. So not only, I mean I would guess it would mean that it's a naked statue. Um but that might just be a modern thinking for it to be considered an obscene image. It might actually be something else, something like a phallic symbol. Like um the Washington monument something uh penis shaped or penis inspired for um as a place to worship. Um but it could be something else, like a naked body. It's so no telling. It could, you know, like how you think of the Kama Sutra, and um, the um, some of the things that are mentioned, and the script sculptures, sculptures, excuse me, that are carved of the different sexual positions and things. It could be like that. Whatever it is, it's considered obscene, and it's a little. It's a statue, and it's not considered good. It's being cast out. Verse 14, but the high places were not removed. Nevertheless, Aja's heart was loyal to the Lord all his days. So the narrator is giving Aja a pat on the head, saying Aja was faithful in his administration in casting out the um, other forms of worship, other religions, um, in favor of worshiping a singular entity, Jehovah, that's what Lord is being translated from, the word L-O-R-D in all caps in English, from that word Jehovah, or name Jehovah if you prefer, um, so far uh, in this chapter. Let's see, um, page jumped, really. We about massa. Did we read about Ben Dad? No, we didn't read that. So I thought we were further along than this, but maybe not. Okay, there it is. The obscene image. Sorry, the page jumped when I um looked to see what one of the tra- what the translation of Lord was. Verse fourteen. But the high places were not removed. So verse 15, he also brought into the house of the Lord the things which the, his father had dedicated and the things which he himself had dedicated, silver and gold and utensils. So uh, one last thing about verse 14, it's showing us there that the faithfulness was only just so much. He cast out those other sort of obscene images, the statues of the different entities, deities from other religions that were set up by his fathers. Solomon, for instance, he, um, threw a lot of those out, but it says the high places were not removed in verse 14, meaning those places where people could go up, the high places people people could go up and worship at were not gone. It started out as where the, um, I think where the cows, the golden cows were set up, um, I think that's what it's referring to, but um, no, I think the cows were for the other 10 tribes, the golden cows, so this is still from Judah, so it's a different high place to go up and do the worshiping, the obscene images and stuff that had been set up to other entities, to Asherahs, that's another uh, ancient female deity, people would worship and it's not the first time she's appeared in the worship ceremonies that we've read about instead she's lasted the same way the bible has lasted for thousands of years verse 15 he also brought into the house of the lord of things which oh so the silver and gold articles utensils and things like that that weren't taken before remember one of the kingdoms got taken for all of their golden articles, they just replaced them with bronze. Uh, some of the articles, it seems, here are being brought back into the um, worship ceremonies. Verse 16 Now there was war between Aja and Basha, king of Israel, all their days. So, um, Basha's who's king over Israel, those collective ten tribes, um, whereas Aja was king over just the two tribes, Benjamin and Judah, Um, but it's a large tribe of uh, the descendants. Verse 17, "And and Basha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah, that he might let none go out or come in to Aja, king of Judah. So they're having direct warfare, and he's even blocking trade passages, it seems. Verse 18 Then Azra took all the silver and gold that was left in the treasuries of the house of the Lord and the treasuries of the king's house and delivered them into the hand of his servants. And King Azra sent them to Ben Hadad, the son of Tebramon, the son of Hezion, king of Syria, who dwelt in Damascus, saying, So um, it seems he's hijacked. Some of the stuff that's moving um, and using it as a gift, the treasuries he's using as a gift to a foreign king, king of Syria. Verse 19, let there be a treaty between you and me as there was between my father and your father. See, I've sent you a present of silver and gold. Come and break your treaty with Basha, king of Israel, so that he will withdraw from me. So um, he, the king, is feeling heat from uh, the kingdom of Israel. So he's using the treasuries as a gift, an inducement to the king of Syria to back him up against some of the other tribes who are uh, rising up against him. Verse 20, so Ben-Hadad heeded King Aja. And sent the captains of his armies against the cities of Israel. He attacked. He attacked Ejon, Dan, Abelmeth, Bethmacha, and all Shinaroth, with all the land of Naphtali. So seriously, like, you pay me, I'm in. He went there and attacked those different areas, presumably to distract the Israelite kingdoms that have uh, risen up against him to go and focus on them instead of building up forces, focusing on fighting against Judah. Verse 21. Now, it happened when Basha heard it that he stopped building Ramah and remained in Terza. So um, it did affect the movement of what was happening. It forced the other king, Basha, to stop what he was doing and stay where he was at. Verse 22. Then King Asha made a proclamation throughout all Judah, none was exempted. And they took away the stones and timber of Ramah, which Basha had used for building. And with them, King Ajah built Gippah, Benjamin, and Mizpah. So um, he turned the tables and took the equipment and supplies that were being used um, to oppose him, to oppose him and used them instead to build up his own cities and fortifications. Kind of smart. Verse 23. The rest of all the acts of Aja, all his might, all that he did in the cities which he built, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? In the time of his old age, he was diseased in his feet. So it's telling the story of King Aja as it's wrapping up. Sounds like he might have been a diabetic. Whatever the case may be, he's had circulation issues with his feet, most likely. Um, Verse 24. So Aja rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David, his father. Then Jehoshaphat, his son, reigned in his place. So Aja uh, has passed away and his son's name was Jehoshaphat who's ascended to power now. Verse twenty-five, excuse me. Now they now Nadab, the son of Jeroboam, became king over Israel in the second year of Azure, king of Judah. And he reigned over Israel two years. So next in line is Nadab, uh, a son of Jeroboam. So it's another generation in power. So we're actually rolling through time of who's ascending and descending um, into power and from the different kings. And his reign is short, only two years. Verse 26, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked. In the way of his father, and in his sin by which he had made Israel sin, so um, it's talking again about about idolatry, worshiping other religions, worshiping other gods, is the sin uh, it's alluding to. Verse twenty-seven: Then Basha the son of Ahijah of the house of Issachar conspired against them, and Basha killed them at Gibbethon which belonged to the Philistines while Nadab and all Israel laid siege to Ghibosh. So, um, wars are happening more. And I meant to also mention, I mentioned the book of Chronicles. That's sort of the same tracking of the descendants that was mentioned earlier. It's the first and second Chronicles, just like there's a first and second Kings. Uh, we're in first Kings right now. Um, it's talking more about more of the conspiracies that sprung up along the way. Um, and the Philistines are mentioned again. So Philistines are the same people who were um, of Goliath, the giant that previously existed, that warred against uh, David, the king that previously existed. Uh, verse 28, Basha killed them in the third year of Aja. King of Judah and reigned in his place. So you see how it's tracking the descendants of the kings of the two different, just call them clans, um, uh, the Israelites and the Judeans. Um, all actually Israelites, but they're called the Kingdom of Israel with those ten tribes, and with the two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, being called the Kingdom of Judah. And it was so, verse 29, it was so when he became king that he killed all the house of Jeroboam. He did not leave to Jeroboam anyone that breathed until he had destroyed him, According to the word of the Lord, which he'd spoken by his servant Ahijah the Shilohite. So what it's describing is genocide. He went and killed all of the people, um, now, does not mean actually, literally all the all of them? I doubt it, but um, it's using the word all. I think to point out the extreme um, depravity of killing like that, wiping out everyone. Verse thirty, because of the sins of Jeroboam, which he had sinned, by which he made Israel sin, because of his provocation, with which he had provoked the Lord God of Israel to anger. So the narrator here is putting it all on the fact that they were idolatrous, not faithful to um, religion, one particular entity, Jehovah, as uh, their Lord. And instead, those different entities, the Asherah and so forth, um, instead, worshiping them also is what the narrator is the scribe or narrator, whoever's passing it along, is attributing all of their troubles to, and that it's the Lord taking all of those disasters and heaping them onto them. Verse 31, out of anger. Verse 31, now the rest of the acts of Nadab and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? So again, Nadab, I'm sorry, Chronicles, as are being referred to again, just as they are in the Bible, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, um, and the acts of Nadab and his administration. Verse 32, And there was war between Aja and Basha, king of Israel, all their days. So at no point did they have peace. They always had battles between the two kingdoms. Verse 33, In the third year of Aja, king of Judah, Basha, the son of Ahijah, became king over all Israel in Terza, Terza, and reigned 24 years. So um, it gets a little confusing because they use a lot of the same names, Aja and Basha and the Ahitahs and Abitahams. They're going to be repeated, but in different lineages. So do your best to keep them straight. If if it's that important to you, I'm going to just keep reading them as they read. Verse 34, he did evil. In the sight of the Lord, and walk in the way of Jeroboam and his and in his sin by which he made Israel sin. So it seems they just wouldn't be faithful to one religion. They enjoyed um, idolatry, worshiping lots of different entities and calling them their Lord, calling them their God. They all translate to the word Lord or God in English, but the different names of the different entities that they worship. Are many, legion even, just like some of those demons and entities Jesus dealt with in the New Testament. It's a legion's long list of different deities, demons even that uh, the people worshipped and called their gods. Um, That was the last verse though in this chapter, we'll we'll in this reading. As always, thank you for joining me for the Naked Truth. I hope it's a blessing for you. Hope you'll join me again. And if you haven't already, I strongly suggest you do read, listen to, and read along with me the top 10 um, Bible verses, passages that churches just will not preach. They won't even touch them. They'll read right over them and not explain them at all, if they even do that. Um, Why? Figure it out for yourself. It's terrible propaganda that really exists in the world. Um... Uh, But you can read it for yourself. Read along with me as I point them out to you, if you haven't noticed them already. Thanks for reading along with me. God willing, I'll see you next time. I love you. Peace be with you. And I've noticed that my site is down for the last week or so. It's because of some technical thing where I have to upload a certain file as if I'm someone who hasn't had that site for 20 years now. But I've supplied the information. I'm just waiting for it to be accepted. And um, thank you for checking on it for me. I appreciate that. Love you, and I'll see you next time. God bless you, and peace be with you.